Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We acknowledge the Noongar people, the traditional owners of the land the upcoming game is played on, and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gordon. Torment eased and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. When these two teams have met in recent seasons, they have tended toward heavyweight encounters. It was the 2018 Grand Final that never materialised. West Coast and Richmond, though, come together in round seven and they are in the lower reaches. Richmond has been yo yoing around and appears to be. Holding out for a hero, a hero named Dusty and the Eagles. Well, they held it together through varying levels of adversity and absurdity, but they have suffered a complete collapse in competitiveness over the past two seasons. The Eagles are at home on Friday night. It's 12th versus 17th. If they've got nothing tonight, you wonder what they might have for the remainder of this season. That's what lies before us on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power. Jared Waitley with you. Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Hello, Jared, and good evening, everyone. Friday night footy. Can't wait for it, although we have to wait a little longer than normal. It's a big game, big night for Richmond. They can't afford to misstep here if there is going to be some sort of resurrection when, when Dusty returns. Obviously, they've left out a couple of their experienced players. West Coast, as you said, couldn't have been worse, really, um, for, for the last couple of weeks in particular. I've done both of those games. Surely that will turn at some stage. Let's hope it does from an objective point of view tonight and they can play some more competitive and better footy. But, yeah, the Tigers just need the W, don't they? They do indeed. There's a big difference between three and four and two and five when Dusty returns. Mm. Our Bulls are in place. Our Bulls are in the paddock tonight. Old Bull Jared Healy. Welcome, Jared. G'day, uh, Jared. I'll tell you what is Old Bull, having no Thursday night footy. We should be one game in, and hopefully at some stage down the track, maybe with Gil over there in uh, Hollywood uh, via New York or New York via Hollywood, I'm not quite sure, he'll uh, come to the final recognition that we need a game every Thursday night. The Rugby League are giving us a lesson. 900,000 viewers plus last night. 900,000 yep. that could well have been watching our game. At least you know 20% of them may have uh, been just casual observers who just want a bit of sport. And we're offering up zero zilch, nothing. Schultz, good, <laughs> good strong start. <laughs> Young bull Nathan Jones. Hello, Nathan. I'm very well, thanks. Uh, should be a pretty good round, and there's some interesting games. Um, Which yeah. is the most interesting, Jonesy? Well, I'm interested in tonight's game, definitely. Um, uh, like, how long can the excuse go for the Eagles, and can Richmond bounce back? Um, there's some. There's a couple of interesting sort of. Things to play out here. Um, you know, I thought I was 
pretty bullish about the Eagles being able to bounce back a few weeks ago yeah. with their performance. I thought, you know, maybe they get on a roll now, they get some guys back, but we haven't seen that. And Richmond, quite similarly, I saw them a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, hang on, here we go. They might get on a roll as well and they haven't been able to pull that out either. So tonight's a pretty interesting game to start the start the round. It's funny how a strength can turn into a massive weakness and, you know, the numbers tell it all. You listen to all the champion data analysts and uh, their incapacity to be able to defend has just been unbelievable. I can remember doing the couch week in, week out when Nick Rewald would talk about the system, the unbreakable system that everybody is trying to, I guess, mimic and copy. Well, they haven't even been able to mimic their own system at the present time, and uh, it's going to be it – gives, it gives West Coast some chance. Yeah. I think ultimately, though, that comes really down to the numbers around the contest. I think the game this year more than – many in recent years is predicated on your ability to win contests and take the ball forward quickly. Mm. And from what I've seen with Richmond, they lack in that area. Having seen them play Melbourne last week, they were better, but Melbourne still really got on top of them. And ultimately with the the way the games play at the minute, the advantage of field position and then the ability of teams to be able to set up behind that lock balls inside forward 50 and inside their forward half. I think that's like Richmond, at their best, you know, when they're winning multiple premierships, their ability to intercept through the mid mid section of the field and then rebound the other mm. way was their strength. But they're almost losing that through losing stoppage because teams are getting field position on them and then teams are also have the ability now to be able to probably utilising and learning from their defensive system, be able to lock in the yeah. footy in their forward half, which I think ultimately for Richmond to be competitive back right up the top, they're going to have to you know, find some strength around that sort of contest clearance. Mm. Uh, and then, because they still have the ability to create turnover and rebound the other way. Watching them last week, they're still very good at that. But and ironically, it's been a weakness of the West Coast right through their power era. They haven't been a great contested ball. And we've had this discussion with Adam Simpson for a long, long time. And yet uh, he has acknowledged, I think, this year that they need to, the game's changed to a degree. You can't control it just by foot. Yeah. You need to get better at contest because that's the way the game has gone. And it felt like they were going to change this yeah. year, didn't they? But we haven't really been able to no. see it. And unfortunately, they've lost their best contested player, and that's Nick Natanui. Yeah. I mean, he is their best clearance player. He's their best contested player, and he gives them the best chance at first use in the middle of the ground. So it's a huge out. The Richmonds, I guess their narrative coming into the season. So they have their era. They fall out of the finals. Damien Hardwick says, no, I coached poorly. They set themselves yep. to reprise their deeds. They set themselves to return to the top and to be yep. the challenger to Melbourne. They've got enough evidence already, don't they, to say that that's not their lot? I think they have. They're not going to go public with it. But, uh, I mean, Dusty's going to make a big difference. But can he make the difference? I suspect he won't be able to. It'll be a huge turnaround if he can. But I think you're right. There's, I think there was one game in the preseason where they smacked somebody. It might have even been Melbourne they might have been competitive against or the Bulldogs. It was somebody in the preseason. They had a convincing win. And I think most people convinced that the Tigers were in the right, back in the race. And yet it's only been seven weeks and uh, most people have got them out of the race. May still make the eight. Yeah. But they, they looked like the team that missed the finals yeah. last year. Yeah, again. They, they do. Maybe but worse. A, a, until we actually see them back with – I know all teams can say this, mm. but you know, tonight they're resting Cochin. 
not so much. Tarrant probably won't make that much difference. But Grimes comes back. Lambert comes back. Suddenly, that's a different looking team if you add Dusty to that. So even Sydney Stack, uh, if he can get well, somewhere near his good. best. Their ins this week turn my mind around. You just have to back their ins in mm. because they're all quality players. And, you know, they've got a guys like Toby Nankervis who's just not playing well. He's, we know he's a darn good player. So there's a lot of potential for them to improve. But can that group pro- improve enough, Hutto, to win four finals? Because that would appear as if that's going to be their, Probably their challenge not. right now. But if, if they can get that together and get their system going – there's no clear number two at the moment, is there? Probably, unless you say Brisbane is, um, or you've got another strong view on one of those other teams. There's no proven clear number two. So there's there's gaps there in the in the eight, but they're going to have to get going very soon. I'm interested in your thoughts that Tarrant won't make a difference. I mean, he was recruited to be the difference, to bolster that defence. And if you're writing him off already, well then... I think it was a reasonable decision because they lost Asprey, but mm. I think he's shown, and that's not a criticism of him. He's, he looks like the age that he is, doesn't he? Don't you think? Well, I, I think we've got not enough games to show to, yeah, no, to no, write him he's off. He's playing his role. He's doing what he was recruited for. But it but, might come back to Jonesy's point that he's not getting a chop out because the ball's yeah. just coming in too much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's like ultimately that's the system that you talk about, and for it to work like you look at Melbourne they're all in sync across all the way across the board and the reason why I, like the Melbourne's defense is so efficient is because the boys up the field around the midfield win the footy and once it goes inside forward 50 their forwards defend they fill space generally you know more often than not teams aren't flying out of there and the ball's not coming in quick where there's space and one-on-ones which ultimately leaves defenders exposed and that's where you get the system of everyone working together and the advantage of forwards and mids and the role they play to help out the defence. Defence isn't just the back six. Mm. Defence is all 18 players on the ground trying to slow the ball movement down, trying to send teams wide, these kind of things, to allow defenders to then take best position and intercept and spoil. And and ultimately, that's really the game of chess that you're trying to Mm. play when teams are on offence versus a team that's trying to defend them. Interested in your, your uh, suggestion about number two. I, I still have of the view that Brisbane aren't that far clear of the rest to mm. call them number two, so I'm still running with Daylight. <laughs> I think Daylight is a strong number two. And of the rest... Got a few good ins too this week. A lot of good ins. Of the rest, I mean, I think Fremantle are a side who've got this thing that is becoming so much more important than it has been when... Maintaining possession of the ball was, uh, you know, a great way to defend and to attack. They've got pace. This pace that they've got, and I've seen it over two years, three years, because I probably see more Fremantle games I have done over the years. And, you know, they've got guys that I reckon 90% of our listening audience wouldn't even know. There's one kid called Walker mm. who plays off the halfback flank, and he is absolutely lightning. They've got Switzkowski and Swartz, uh, Schultz, I should say, up in the fraud line, they are lightning quick. And they are, they're well drilled to, to tackle and pressure. So they may not be number two at the moment, but I reckon by the end of the season, it's a great game coming it's up a against great the game, Cats. It's an absolute yeah. ripper. They've got two big outs, but they've got two pretty handy ins that I think are ready to be recruited. Meek is a really good ruckman. He's probably the best ruckman who's not the number one ruckman in the comp, and he's missed out because they're going with Rory Lobb. And uh, Tracy or Tracy... You know he's a bit of a he's a bit raw, but gee, 
he can just be the target. I mean, their main strength is not Tabner. He gives them a target. Kicks two or three, occasionally gets a few more. But it's the getting the ball to ground and just getting it through the goals. Doesn't matter which way. R- Rory Lobb's still pretty important to them. He's very important. Yeah. Gives them a target. So yep. they've still got two targets, yep. is my point. And and I think they'll expose the Cats for pace. The Cats are going to have to be their, really, their very best to win. And they may well have the best midfielder in the comp right now. Andy Brayshaw is going mm. that well. Mm. They've got a um, bloke called Five coming back. Uh, exactly. I was about to mention here. He's, and I read a comment from Monday during the week, and it's hard to even fathom that, but he says Five may well be the cream on top. Mm. And it's like he's... <laughs> he used to be the cake for a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. So if he comes back, they're going to play him in the mid. Yeah. He made that clear at the start of the year. He did. But, I mean, his kicking is is unreliable, and it, you know, it can knock you around. Their kicking has been unreliable. They've, they've had a pretty good patch. It gives them the opportunity to play Monday to bolster their forward line. I mean, he's still their classiest kick. Play him out of the forward line. He could he could kick five in a game Absolutely. and still play midfield. Yeah. I think uh, now with how like, strongly structured they seem to play and their ability to be able to defend, particularly with their speed to chase and tackle, mm. put frontal pressure on, Fife can almost play a genuine sort of dusty role where he spends time around the – the stoppage or mm. contest and has the ability to sort of drift forward almost like if you're watching it, you say, Oh geez, he's not really involved in defense, but ultimately mm. it ends up being part of how they actually play. Melbourne do a similar thing with Petrarca yeah, every now and again, he's up and around the contest and then he may just slip forward, get the mismatch. Yep. I can really see. And that's where he probably becomes really the cream on, on top. Yep. And that goes without uh, talking about their defence. And their defence has got Alex Pearce, who three years ago was near All-Australian. He's back to his very best. Ryan has been an All-Australian. Brendan Cox is arguably, he'd be in the best five intercepting defenders in the game right now with a bullet. Yeah, he's improved significantly. Unbelievable. Two years ago, he was underrated and no one knew who he was. Then he got injured. Yep. And this year, he's back to his very best. And Griffin Lowe, who's floating in and out of the side, they're they're trying to sort of... uh, meld him into something that may be a little bit more difficult to meld than they would like. So they've put him out of the side for a couple of times and basically uh, made him uh, earn his way back in. On the market, I'm told, at this stage, but you'd hope that they can nail it because they've, they've still got Hamling as a as a backup. Yep. And, you know, they've got guys out of the side, one in particular uh, whose name is uh, is Wilson. I mean, Wilson, when he left the Giants... Oh, you can't lose Wilson. <laughs> yeah, but Mr. Wilson right now isn't even in the team, I and mean, that's how good they're going. And that's all. All those signs reflect a team that's absolutely on the up. on the rise. Yeah, that's a great taster for our systems check that we're going to run mm. through all eighteen clubs six rounds in. So we've, before we've done we... three already. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great little taster for what's to come. We're going to touch base with both camps, West Coast and Richmond, in our lead up. It is a later start tonight, so ten past eight on the East Coast and ten past six local time. So maybe a couple of the issues of the week. Uh, the freshest is Dylan Sheila has been dropped by Essendon. Mm. So David King has been plotting this. He showed Devon Smith and Dylan Sheil. Uh, a couple of weeks back and just not to an acceptable level of what the team requires. Smith went last week. Shield was given one more game in Anzac Day, but obviously not meeting what the internal markers are uh, and out of the team. Well, it's brutal. It's brutal. And uh, the old educate one, sorry, uh, slaughter one to educate a thousand 
becomes slaughter two to educate the, them a second time because you didn't quite get it right. But uh, they're big names on big money, and I guess it probably is a reflection of uh, why the Bombers are where they're at. Their, their recruiting has been successful to a point, but they haven't taken them to the promised land, these uh, highly talented kids from the Giants. So, you know, they're spruiking they're too young. They're young, they're young. Well, you can't go and recruit these guys two years ago and then give us the young excuse. It's They're just counterintuitive. Yeah, well, ultimately, it's. Um, I think it's a good sign, uh, and they have to do it if they if they're serious about getting better as a side. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's damning some of the vision you've seen as far as you know their their lack of ability to switch on and defend. And I'm assuming internally there's been some pretty clear parameters set in terms of what the expectation is mm. going forward and. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone can hide in that. If you if you're serious about making the or reaching the level that they that they're aspiring to be and wanting and want to be the team that they I'm assuming within Essendon think they're capable of being, and if they're not delivering delivering like they have so far this year, you know, guys, are, you've got to hold guys accountable to that. It's a huge challenge for Dylan as as a footballer. I mean, he's a highly paid and a highly uh, ranked player. His best is done good. He's an All Australian and. I mean, when he was uh, a junior, he was regarded as, uh, you know, a potential Hall of Famer. And, you know, he's well short of that at the present time. So it doesn't mean he can't resurrect himself. A lot of great players over the years have been dropped and dropped late in their careers. I mean, Simon Madden got dropped and he's one of the all-time greats, uh, soon to be Hall of Fame legend, I assume. But, uh, I mean, Sheedy just said, no, you know, we've got to set a standard. Sometimes you've got to just go back to reset. And, and maybe that's what it is for Dylan. Just go back, reset, get some confidence, learn how to work again, get your work rate up and, and rebuild your career. It, it is pretty significant though, isn't it? At this stage, he, he should be out of his career yeah. for, for all the reasons that you, you talked about. And and that Essendon have put their faith, he and he and Smith, you know, cost them draft picks and that was their, their way of trying to catch up for the... With some Stringer, of the, yeah. Yeah, and Stringer with the, for the lost years, but particularly what they gave up for the, the two Giants players. Mm. Like, it's it's significant that they, they're they in this situation. So it's a, it's a real test for Ben Rutten. I mean, questions asked about recruiting and then about, about development and Essendon and how they could still be in this situation. But like you said, maybe this is what they need in two or three weeks down the track. They're mm. back and playing better team-orientated footy. But It's a massive game though, isn't it, for huge. both clubs. I mean, the Bombers probably can't play finals. Now, if they win on the weekend, there's a small chance. But, gee, if the Dogs lose as well, all of a sudden, gee, the microscope's on there. They've got issues like everybody else. But, um, you know, the numbers ultimately are the uh, what you, you know, you, you, you get assessed by. The, the ruck injuries this week have been, so two in three days, the PCLs, Pitnet and Grundy mm. and both long-termers, they cost you such a long period of time. So default to your seniority, Jerry, because you've seen this. You've seen the evolution yeah. of it. You've seen the scourge of it. You've seen the attempts to minimise it, the rule changes around it. Now, is this is this a blip? Is this a return? Is How have you observed both the incidents and then the debate around this? Well, I've watched it with a worrying eye for the last two years, and I've watched it because I was confused why umpires were paying the free kicks, but I've watched it mainly from a physio's perspective. The the circle was brought in because Neil Danaher was, you know, he was he drove this. I mean, he, he called for a meeting with every coach, and I think one turned up. Might have, Choco might have turned up as well. 
But it was because Jeff White was in this position of being a, a high-leaping, jumping ruckman, and the potential for knee-on-knee knee was prevalent. But in those days, the knee was lifted to gain height. And it's totally different now. We, we, didn't, we, we solved the problem because everybody jumped for height from a, a small circle. And so the, the scourge of the PCL was just about killed. But as time has evolved, and particularly the last two years, we've had ruck coaches get them to use the knee not for height, but for a battering ram to push off their player, to get him away from the ball. And if you have a look, 50% maybe higher, maybe a lot higher, just plucking a number here, of taps will come when the ruckman is back on the ground. Yeah. So they elevate the knee, not for height. It's a totally different look. They, they, they lean back. They get the knee out. It's, it's on the horizontal, and they push off. And both are doing it at the same time. And that's when you're going to get the knee on knee. And that's when you're going to get the PCL. So it's probably going to happen more and more often because every club is doing it and they're doing it more and more. So the issue is how do we fix it? I don't know. I've got no idea. You can, you can penalise the player for going with the knee. I know Ray was on your show saying that... It produced one of the most bizarre answers of, of the season to me. But, but he was focusing on the hand. Yeah. And that's okay. But that means that the umpires still aren't across what's actually happening. They are using the knee like they used to use the hand to push away, to get away. Now, if for yet to get knee on knee, both Ruckman have to do it. So if you're going to penalise it, it's impossible to penalise both. Yeah. So I, I, we've got a problem. I'm not sure how you solve it, Jonesy. That's up to I, you. I, I, I guarantee you internally, like coming out of the game most recently, that is encouraged 100%. Yep. From a midfield perspective, from a mids coach, from a ruck coach, like jump into them, jump into them, because it's all about protecting the ball drop. Like, mm. if you can create that buffer of like it's exactly the same, you, you've nailed it. As far as like you know, fending off with an arm, that's now illegal. They're essentially fending off with the knee to yep. protect the drop to gain an advantage to hopefully be able to you know hit the ball to advantage and. It's obvious you're encouraging Ruckman to be aggressive, to get after them in the air. Mm. I, I and don't... they're leading with their knees. Oh, absolutely. And every time they do it, they're putting their careers on the line. So we've got a major, major problem. And I don't know how you fix it. And if we're relying on the uh, intelligence of ex-Ruckman to work it out, we're in big <laughs> trouble, aren't we? <laughs> well, it's amazing how it evolved. I mean, Sam Newman taught Simon Madden, jump early, jump put early. your knee on yep. their hip, yep. use your non-hitting uh, hand to... Stick it in their chest, keep them away, and hit with your preferred hand, whichever that was. And then it evolved to such a degree where people were jumping earlier and earlier. Then PCLs came in. Then we got the circle. Then it diminished, and now we're back to ruck coaches getting them oh, to do exactly the same to, thing. And, lead and with your knee. Absolutely. Once you lead with your knee, you're in trouble. And the adjudication of it, Hutto? Well, that that Ray said that you could put if one arm goes out. Then, then you get a free against you. But if you, if both, if both put their arms out, everything's okay. Yeah. I mean, it, how are you meant to know that? I mean, it just it coming back to the cues we were talking about last week. It, it just sounded so bizarre. Yeah, I'm not but, sure cues are helped umpires. <laughs> how did you, how, how did you read what Ray I, was saying? I can, I can't follow the ruck free kicks. I no. think I might have prefaced the conversation with that. Yeah, 
I, Ruck I, Lotto is what I call yeah, it. And, yeah. it. and it does genuinely seem like that. Yeah. So a little bit of Ray. This is uh, on Waitley during the week. Generally speaking, you'll see that happen when just one Ruckman put their arm out. The other, got, other, other Ruck is just contesting the ball and one Ruckman puts out the bumper bar, block. Right. When they both do it, nothing to see here. So, so they sort of neutralise each other. They neutralise each other. I, I, I can't fathom how, how that can be the case. But Well, it's the same problem with the knee. But we're not penalising somebody who puts the knee out first. No. But it's a much, much, a much more significant issue for the game. I mean, it needs to go back. Brad Scott's going to have to get a symposium going. He's going to have to sort out. I, mean, I, I think he needs a symposium anyway on a lot of the rules. Um, and... I say that because they are so difficult. I think I think the intent of what he changed with the um, prior opportunity wasn't to reduce prior opportunity, but if you got tackled, you had to get rid of it immediately. Well, the umpires are interpreting that too often as you've had no prior opportunity, the ball gets knocked out, you get a you get pinged, and so we've sort of defaulted to no prior opportunity, and it's. I think that's a, an issue that needs to be addressed, and I feel for the umpires because evidently because of COVID, they're not getting together all that often. Most of their stuff's done on Zoom, maybe getting together once a week, but certainly not enough. I think, though, the, the beauty of your segment with Ray is we actually get to hear layers of stuff that we otherwise don't mm. get. And that's when sometimes we go, oh that, oh, that makes sense. There's some sense in that. Other times we just scratch our head. Like how one action can be legal if you do it on your own, illegal if you do it on your own, but legal if you do it with the other block. I've got a partner doing it. One of my favourites, Otto, and I, we've discussed this before, if you get tackled, perfectly tackled, somebody grabs your arm and you've got the ball in one hand, that can be no attempt unless you throw it onto your foot. If you go to ground, I saw it on the weekend, went to ground, let the ball go, play, the umpire said, it came out. Yeah. Play on. How did it come out, umpire? <laughs> West Coast and Richmond coming up. We're inside the Eagles camp next. AFL Nation, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Time to renovate. Choose Beaumont's. You'll be happy you did. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Sports Power, your local footy experts. West Coast and Richmond, Friday night footy from the West. AFL Nation is for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones with you. Shortly, we're going to launch into the systems check after six rounds across the 18 teams and see precisely how your team is travelling at this point in time. The Hyundai Staria load is the van that is big on safety and big on tech. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP and now it's yours from 47,990 drive away. Take a tech drive today. There's been a bit of shuffling in the, the Eagles deck this week. Most significantly McGovern returns while uh, wholesale changes for Richmond. So the ins are good. Grimes, Lambert, Soldo, Stack and Morris Rioli. The outs, Cochin stayed at home and so too did Tarrant. Dow, Mansell, Parker and Ross. So they feel stronger than they uh, than they have been for a couple of weeks. And Dustin Martin, we know, will be back in the side uh, in all likelihood next week against Collingwood, which will be uh, a huge event for footy in its own right. And if, if the Tigers can be three and four, then they still have a few possibilities. While we wait for Matthew Knights, just wanted to maybe discuss in, in depth later on, do North Melbourne deserve a priority pick, do you think? Well... 
you could say they're bad enough to have a priority pick. Whether you deserve one or not uh, is a is a debate. If, well, if whether got, they deserve one or not, should they get one? Yeah, well, I think they should. You know, it's it can't hurt. I mean, I've said a long time ago that I think it's the rebuild takes too long. Yep. Particularly if you elect to go to a young, which they have done so many times. But I mean, it can't be a first rounder. But you should be able to get one in the uh, start of the second round. But but ultimately, North Melbourne have to come to the party, and you know they've got to address the other issues yeah. of, of why they're so poor. Because it's not it's not about one kid. I mean, the Giants have had. Lots of kids and sons have had lots of kids and after kids after kids. It, it's not a panacea. Yeah, I was about to say exactly that. Yeah, and from well, you've, my, you've from, lived it. I've lived it. I guarantee it's not. And the success that Melbourne has built came fundamentally around culture and how the team is going to play, the system. So, so are you actually better not to get the, the handouts in a way? Well, potentially. I think really ultimately it comes down to – how internally the club's structured, right people, right place, you know, as far as leadership in the right positions, coming up with a really clear and sort of stringent plan in terms of how they're going to play, what are the, you know, what are the standards, all of these kind of things have to be evolved to allow these players to flourish. The talent is only going to take you so far, but unless we, unless you develop them, you're still going to be in the same position years later. Hutto, you can't uh, open it up uh, like that and not ask us to uh, provide some more information. So we'll just chew into our uh, next segment a little bit. Well, we're just we're standing yeah, by with Matthew. It just shouldn't be. I think the idea that there are still priority picks is a total nonsense. That that you could randomly dish them out to one team who gutted its list in a manner that you would probably yeah. say was um, was too deep for if you wanted to be competitive, it mm. was too deep, or it wasn't deep enough to get what you needed to come back quickly. I, the fact that But the it, randomness is the issue. Yeah. There but, should be, in my view, a system in place where if you haven't won, played finals for five years or three years, whatever the magical number is, then you do it and you keep getting them until you play. But it's got to be system based, not give it up to the commission to make you know make them feel good about yeah, giving out a handout. Because hand we out. think North Melbourne looks so bad that they should get a handout. No way. Mm-hmm. I I agree with your overriding system. The idea that North Melbourne could even contemplate a yep. priority pick, I think, is stupid. Is it if it's system based though? Then aren't we sort of opening ourselves up to for clubs yes. to sort of rot that system in terms of you know if they've conceded the fact that. This is if you've been down for three years, let's say it's three years, because I think five years is even too long. I think about the kids that are there rotting away. They don't want to have to wait. Or you know, if the new coach comes in after five, he's got to have a stock of talent. I don't think a club that's been out of the finals for three years is going to rot it again to make if they have an opportunity to not play finals and finish ninth. To miss out on a draft pick, I just can't see that working. Mm. I mean, you're not getting you're not getting the first pick; you're getting a, a, an extra pick in the second round. Yeah, so you'd have a sub round, I reckon. Sub so round. you go one to eighteen, yeah. and then there would be these set of picks that belong, say, nineteen to twenty five, that belong to the six teams who haven't been there, That's right. and then the second round starts after that. Anybody who rorted to pick up, you know, pick. 19 to 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, aren't talking to their marketing department yeah. or their financial department. But well, let's head into the Eagles camp and then we'll get to our systems check. Uh, Matty Knight, it's always great to have you on AFL Nation. Welcome. Hey, Jared. How do you get a response from the past two weeks, Matty, after such a good performance against Collingwood and then what, what has followed? Yeah, I thought the, um, you know, with some circumstances early in the year, I thought 
um, the way we played with our pressure. I think three out of the first four rounds, I thought the Fremantle game were well off the pace, but I think, you know, the, the first two games and then the Collingwood game culminated and then our pressure being around the ball being really decent. Um, Collingwood had their share of ball in that game, but we managed to get over the line. But the last two weeks, it certainly hasn't been up to standard with both our contest method and our pressure, and that's something that um, we're striving for as a group. And then once that evolves, moving into transition a bit, bit quicker, I felt Port and Sydney both really got to the outside really quickly against us and, um, you know, caused us problems. So we've got to address that and, um, you know, hopefully take a step forward with that tonight. Matty, it's almost impossible to know who the Eagles are, what the Eagles are and what to, to expect. You know, we've got all the numbers in front of us. You're averaging just 61 points. You've used 41 players. So we could analyse this, but ultimately it's, 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 a, it's, it's fruitless given you've had so many other issues to create this distortion in the numbers. So you tell us what do you think is a fair expectation tonight? Yeah, I think that for us, we've got to get the ball. For us, we've got to get the ball inside 50 um, a lot more to give our forwards a look at it. That, I think that's really plain and simple. Um, and at the same time, we've also got to mitigate, you know, five or 10 inside 50s for the opposition because they've been running at about 60 a week. So, you know, we've got to give them more supply. That comes back to the midfield group. Um, you mentioned the continuity, Jared, a really interesting, like young Patrick Nash, probably one of the only mids that's played every game and he joined us eight days before the season. <laughs> that, it's been quite incredible, you know, so. You know, but in saying that, I, I feel that there hasn't been any change or not many for the midfield group from last week. So we've actually got some continuity from last week to this week. So more of a support forwards and increasing our inside 50s. Um, you know, forward half footy is is not everything, but it's a real territory game in the AFL at the moment. And if you're not you're not getting the ball forward and blocking it in there, it becomes really difficult for your back. So, yeah, Jared, we've got to get inside 50 more tonight. Mm. And um, that comes down to a bit of supply. Matty, I'll just let that sign. <laughs> yeah, <there>, sorry. <laughs> Give it a bit of good pair. Should, should have its own sponsor, the siren. Did that need to practice three times? I wouldn't have thought with that siren. <laughs> I'm interested to find out, Matty, the residual effects of COVID. Obviously, it sort of, you know, ripped apart the group early in the season, but the flow-on effect now as far as particularly with the injury-interrupted uh, preparation for some of your really key players, then you add on top of that COVID – the ability for them to be able to find form, find fitness, and how much is that still impacting the group from a physical point of view? Uh, yeah, it's really difficult to quantify. And, you know, we're at a stage now that we just want to put all that behind us in the sense that, you know, the COVID, as far as we're concerned, is, you know, that's gone now. We can't do anything about that. The injuries are a bit different. They're sort of case to case. But, you know, every case has been different with COVID. Some guys come out of COVID and, feeling pretty decent and can get on the track and train and then others feel that lethargy for longer so it's a, every case is quite different um and it's just a matter of getting the boys back on the training track and then seeing how they sort of pull up from training and then if you feel like we feel like they they're ready to go we apply them particularly if they've got experience and they're ready to go so you know every case has been different but you know we're past that point now we've just got to play better footy and um look to the group to get a bit more consistency with our football and, and move forward it's, it's uh, Matty, we were talking about Richmond, how they've lost their great strength about defending. And uh, just looking at your scenario, you've lost one of your great strengths, and that's ball transition. I mean, you've been one of the great sides moving it from the back half to the front half, and yet you've uh, gone inside 50 uh, just 10 times from defence this season. I mean, it's, it's quite an amazing stat, really, over the last two weeks, I should say that. Yeah, yeah, having coached against the Eagles for a lot of years at the Cats, you know, you 
one thing you wanted to to mitigate was that back, that back half ball movement, you know, particularly after a McGovern or Barass mark, and mm. then the springboard from the Eagles was quite um, quite dramatic. Whether it was kick mark or they got the ball in the corridor and overlapped, and um, that's something Simo and the group's really focused on this week. Um, we've really sort of gone after a little bit more ball movement, a little, been a little bit braver from the back half, just so that we can generate some run and some inside fifty. So. You know, when you're watching tonight, you know, you'd be looking out for a little bit more quicker ball movement out of back half. And um, I guess with McGovern back in the team, it gives us an opportunity to get a few more cut-off marks because, you know, his form early in the season was, you know, let's face it, was blistering. You know, yep, he was in, yep. you know, being new to the Eagles, like, it's hard to quantify um, how good people are. But when you see McGovern up close week in, week out, he's, um, he's an outstanding footballer. What else has jumped out? I know it's been not what you would have expected for all the reasons we've discussed already, but what else has sort of surprised you, I suppose, getting in close into a new camp? Well, the first thing, it's, it's uh, reasonably tropical now rather than about eight degrees at GMHBA. <laughs> that's a touch different. Um, but, yeah, just, a, you know, it's all clubs have sort of got their sort of uh, nuances, I guess, but, you know, it's, we were a reasonably new coaching. Jared Schofield's come across from Port, um, Daniel Pratt's back in board, on board this year with um, coaching defence and then uh, my first time working with Simo and the group. So that's you know, been really refreshing. I've enjoyed that. Um, it's lucky enough to have such an amazing period at Geelong and we've on such great turns. But it's, it's a new challenge and, you know, I'm really looking forward to working with this midfield group and really getting it going over the, over the near future and then, you know, for many years to come. So from my perspective, it's just exciting to be at a new club um, and they're, you know, a very professional club and uh, very welcoming and... Um, for myself and my family as well. So it's been, you know, it's been pretty positive from that point of view. Are you surprised how big the West Coast Eagles is as a unit, as a club, as an entity? I am, Jared. Yeah, like Geelong in Geelong is, is you know, like a country town, and, and you know, you got an AFL club in a country town, and it's a different feel. But the West Coast Eagles feel is, is dramatically different. You know that that confrontational stuff with the Dockers, um, that rivalry, and then. You know, the stadium itself, you know, the Optus mm. Stadium that's sort of come to fruition the last two or three years. And it's, it's the West Coast are obviously had such great tradition in Western Australia with success and premierships and um, something it's, it's great to be a part of. And um, also Tim Jett keeps me happy with the odd coffee every now and good. again, Jared. And yeah, he, good. Uh, said the pass on it. Yep. as well wishes to yourself. That's the only thing you'll share to coffee. <laughs> 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 Matty, great to have you with us and good luck for tonight. Thanks, boys. Tough. Matthew Knight's assistant coach with the Eagles. The Geelong Stadium will be as big as the Perth one. Uh, one few, a few more elections. Few more elections. Could double it. <laughs> Very good. All right, our systems check coming up. AFL Nation across the weekend at various stages. We'll take all your feedback on the Southern Phone open line. Switch and save with Southern Phone mobile plans. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. A sports news update for Rolled. Eat good with Rolled. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. Melbourne United assistant coach Daryl McDonald says improving their defence was key to getting the NBL semi-final game one victory over the Tassie Jack Jumpers. That was the thing. We just wanted to get back to play, playing the defence the way we play. Melbourne got up 74 points to 63 over the NBL's newest club. The men's and women's Australian Open golf tournaments will be played together for the first time. Champion golfer Kari Webb will compete and says Australia is leading the way in this area. The big open was, was really um, the start of that and, and mm. once that game was well, wide attention um, 
that sort of concept has has been taken abroad now and, and there's quite a few of those events overseas, but it really all started here in Australia. Speaking to SEN Radio there and several Aussie surfers off to a strong start at the Margaret River Pro. That's the latest in sport. I'm April Austin. Eat good with rolled. It's fast, fresh, Vietnamese. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Sports Power, your local footy experts. Systems check on every team after six rounds of footy before we launch into round seven tonight in the West, the Eagles and the Tigers. So a slightly later start than normal on a Friday night on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Jared Healy and Nathan Jones uh, are on the beat here and Chief Stewart Anthony Hudson is going to determine the order. Yes, well we've allocated each gentleman just to lead the discussion, nine teams each, but we're not going to go ABC, we're not going to go ladder positions. I've got I've got Elf's fame and little computer here from years ago and it's just going to pick them at absolute complete random and first up is the Western Bulldogs, Nathan Ooh. Jones. <laughs> lead us in. Well, I think it's a real, it's one of the more interesting ones for me of all the teams. I had great expectations, obviously, playing off in the grand final last year. I uh, I was expecting, I think, much like everyone, that they'd be, that it'd be Melbourne and them as the top two contenders again. I feel like in some capacity, the, the wheels have fallen off. They've only won two games for the season so far, lost four. We've had issues around inaccuracy. We've obviously, um, and I think where they really struggle uh, from looking at the numbers, and I've actually seen them play a lot this year, is we laud their midfield group. But when you dive deep into the contest numbers, they their midfield is actually getting significantly beaten comparative to when they've been mm. the team that we've all seen them, you know, being capable of. I think another point for discussion is around the foil for Norton. They've they've tried a few players. Obviously Bruce has been out with his knee. They've tried Hugo Hagen. They've gone smaller. They've tried to use the bont. They're, I think that's a real struggle for them, that forward line dynamic without the reliance so significantly on Norton at this point in time. Obviously only been, you know, twenty three years of age trying to hold down a key position. Um, you know, there's huge expectation and pressure on him. The biggest question mark for mine is around sort of their mentality and how much did last year affect them around? Knock them around, yeah. Like, because really they haven't lost a whole lot. Um, And it's sort of hard. Like, we're obviously guessing from the outside, our perspective is so far removed from what's going on internally. But for me, uh, my experience, that can really be the only question. Like, and, and losing grand finals has been a thing. I mean, particularly mm. with teams that have lost by a lot. Now, in the end, they did, even yeah. though they were poised to win it midway through the third quarter. So two wins, four losses. They've beaten North by 68 and beaten Sydney, which is clearly their best performance of the year. Lost to Richmond, Melbourne, Carlton and Adelaide, three teams that didn't make the eight last year. But I guess Carlton and Adelaide are stronger teams than they previously were. But the Sydney win looked like the Western Bulldogs of last year. Yep. The North Melbourne win looked like the Western Bulldogs to a large degree, but they had the bond forward and it was a great move. And they looked a much better side when they won out of the middle and they had three options in the forward line. One's Eugle Hagen, one's the Bont, and one was Norton. When Eugle Hagen, when the Bont's not there, Eugle Hagen is number two and he's not good enough at this stage to be number two. And he's he, out of the team. This he's week. out of the team. And he, he, he was okay on the weekend. He didn't uh, hit the pack hard enough a couple of times. And uh, I think Norton told him exactly that. 
But when I mean, the raw numbers, as you say, Jonesy, are uh, absolutely spot on. Last two years, they've lost contested possession in the middle 12 times, and of those, they've only won three times. So that protects their front half, it protects their back half. You take Bont out of there because I think they do need to play him in the forward line. I know that the Duck wrote a column today saying he should go back to the middle. I think they're probably protecting him a little bit. Yes. So he's, you know, I think there's other reasons why. But um, do they a make the eight and b can they push on to anything stronger? I don't think they make the eight if they lose on the weekend. Right. Yeah. So we're at a. A big fork a big, in the road yeah, in round seven. You don't want to be there. All right, let's head to Carlton, of course, under Michael Voss. Four wins and two losses. Uh, they've beaten Richmond, the Western Bulldogs, Port Adelaide and Hawthorne. Lost to Frio last week and lost to Gold Coast, which was probably their, their most significant loss. Pitnet is injured again. Uh, they'll miss Hewitt this weekend, but Patrick Cripps is a rejuvenated figure. Look, I think essentially Carlton is a really positive story. Positive for the competition, positive for uh, Carlton fans and positive for the players Pitnet is a huge loss. We all know that uh, getting Superman back and playing well, they were going to be good at stoppages. But the bonus is that they got Cherry in. That's a huge tick. They got Hewitt in, and they've got Kennedy from somewhere. I don't know where it was, but uh, he's not the same Kennedy I've seen playing uh, previous years. So uh, they're all going to be still there for a long period of time. What we do know is that their A-grade is out of stoppage with Pitnet. We're not sure how that's going to transform uh, under De Koning, who I think is a really good young player. I think he's going to be an A-grader, but he's still a young player. But there's a system issue that uh, they need to address, and I spoke to Sam Doherty about it last night. I'm not sure if we've got that audio. We haven't got that audio. We're still looking for it. The issue is, are they trying to fix it, which was my point of contention to him. They know that they've got this issue. We know that they've got this issue. But I'm not sure listening to him whether it's front of mind as to the, we need to address this. So hopefully we can get it and we might have to come back to it. But points from turnovers against Frio, they got 27. Frio got 53. So they're a mile away. Midfield intercepts, they had 25. Frio had 45. And I think the percentage tells the story. Their percentage right now, they're in the eight. It's 95.4. Every other top eight side is over 100. Collingwood is the lowest at 107. Every other side in the eight is 120 or more. So they are vulnerable because of their inability to defend as well as the other sides. But overall, it's a really positive story. Vossi wasn't going to turn them into premiers overnight, but this is a really, really good start. I think the stats you speak of then sort of hark to their imbalance on offense versus defense and you know, I'd, you'd have to dive into it more so, but where they're turning the ball over and how they're trying to move the ball may play into the inability to be able to defend that. I remember back with Melbourne, finding that balance was a really difficult period. Yep. Like when to pull the trigger and go back through the corridor and create overlap run and when to be a little more conservative as far as is the ground set up behind you. And it's just building that awareness. I think at the moment they've definitely addressed the system from a defensive point of view, but I reckon now they're probably trying to build in the offense and that's still opening them up because it's almost a different way of defending. Do they make the finals? I think they do. And I think they can get a lot better. People forget that they haven't got McGovern and the big O. And McGovern's aggravated his hamstring, so he's going to be out for a bit longer. Who will be next? Uh, Who will be next? Just putting it into my computer now, Jared. The answer after this. No, the answer is... For Beaumont Tiles, they now have hybrid flooring in store. 
You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Sports Power, your local footy experts. AFL Nation this Friday night for Sports Power, your local footy experts, West Coast and Richmond. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. We are running a system check through how your team has fared after six weeks and what their prospects are. Hutto is randomly choosing the order. And Collingwood has come out uh, as the next uh, ball to fall. With the, We've got the three uh, judges there making sure that it's <laughs> a governance uh, Governor approved and everything is above board. Three wins, three losses. Of course, they had the win over Essendon most recently. They had their biggest win, 42 points over Adelaide. And they beat St Kilda in round one, which probably set the tone, things being a little different. The one that got away was the Cats, and then the one they should have won was the West Coast Eagles. And Jonesy? I'm a fan of the Pies. I've really enjoyed watching them this season under a new coach, obviously. I feel like they've got a terrific balance of... um, experience and youth like when you look along the list I think Grundy devastating to hear I thought he was terrific in Anzac the Anzac game particularly the final final quarter he was outstanding so to find out he's going to miss what three months it's a huge loss for them but um, you know I think there's a lot to like some of the youth that they've injected the Dacos brothers Ginevan Quaynor I think these guys are developing and you add into that mix with Pendlebury, Sidebottom, Howe, DeGoey, Taylor Adams. They've got a pretty good mix. Darcy Moore. I like how their back line shapes up, having watched them pretty closely last week. You know, I'm pretty bullish about them. I think the ladder's tight. From four down to 12, you could throw a blanket on anyone. But the way they're going, they just keep chipping away. I think they're going to give teams a run. I like that how uh, Flies coach them as far as being a bit more aggressive with ball movement in particular. They take it forward a lot more and faster rather than sort of that kick-mark possession game, yep. which is up in line with how the game's being played right now. And, um, you know, they, they were really impressive at Anzac game. And, um, you know, I think they've been impressive a few times this year and I'm pretty bullish about, you know, potentially where they could go. I think they're sort of in line with that Carlton sort of spot on the ladder. Yeah, I think they've been stiff to lose those two big games. And if uh, they had have knocked those over, then they're, they're, they're right up there. Mix. So, you know, I think, I'm with you. I think Collingwood's a fantastic story. Um, Matt Rendell, I think, was the only one last year who was uh, really bullish, saying that uh, there's no reason why they should be down the bottom of the ladder. They can rebound really quickly. And I thought uh, he was overly optimistic, but he's been proven 100% correct. And uh, he's always had a good eye, Matty, and uh, he's proven it because they've got a good coach. They've got a good coaching group. And they have fundamentally changed the way they play, and it's exciting to go and watch from the very first quarter at uh, Marble Stadium yeah. when the tornado, the Collingwood tornado, turned up. And I thought, "Wow, have a look at this! This is exciting!" And they did that without Maynard. And Maynard, his exclusion maybe cost them a win, but gee, they're a really good side. I, I like them. I think they'll probably make the eight, and it'll be exciting. How important is it? Oh, this is probably taking us somewhere we're not meant to be going in this, but to keep Tagoe, is that important for them or not? Of course it is. a good player. I mean, I think Tagoe's come back, learned his lessons. I think he'll be keen to stay. They'll be keen to think. I, I can't see him going anywhere. Mm, I, I agree, Jared. I'd, I'd be disappointed if he left, left really. I think they've shown enough faith in him, and his form's outstanding. Yeah. I think he was another it, one on on uh, on on Monday that just answered the call. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There was a few of them. Grundy, Pendlebury, Dugowie, I thought, 
Adams to a certain extent, particularly in that last quarter. How game, good was the Pendlebury move? In you go. Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It turned it. I mean, I reckon with 15 minutes of play remaining, I thought Essendon might get them. Then in went Pendlebury, got three or four clearances. Yeah. Might have been three. They got their break. Then I saw Jeff Brown leave the uh, top deck. Yes. And I thought, oh, he went early. Oh, this is a big call. <laughs> he went early. It didn't look good And then for they a kicked the next goal. They went forward. But, uh, no, Jeff was safe. Uh, but, no, very exciting, the Pies. Very exciting. Well, the team they played was Essendon. We touched on them early with Dylan Shield, but they've had just the one win, and that was a close-run thing against Adelaide. They've been thumped by Geelong and Fremantle in the second half, lost to Melbourne, Brisbane, and Collingwood. They've, they've played some quality teams, obviously. Yeah. How far behind where you thought they would be are they? So how big a problem is the bigger picture for them? I don't think it's that big. I just think you know they've got to they've got to get through this phase where they've lost their way to a large large extent. I mean they came in without some players. Stringer's clearly a, a big loss for them. He's their best clearance player and he's probably their best forward. I mean they've Peter Wright's given them an avenue to attack. They've got some good young kids, but their their kids haven't really jumped out of the pack as much as they did last year. So I think if they were relying on them, uh, then they've been a bit disappointed. They've found one, the young kid from Western Australia. Um, Martin. Yeah, Nick Martin. Martin. We'll I mean, see Zach Reed for the second time ever too tomorrow. Yeah, well, on Sunday. We, know, we know about his potential, but uh, Martin's a real surprise. So I think the uh, Nick, I think um, Adrian Dodoro has done his job. He's got He's collected enough talent there for them to be going better than they are. Probably needs to find another key defender. Clearly needs to find another key forward. But they're coming. They're, they're in the mix. They've just got to get some age and some games into them. But I like the way they're going. But it's it's been a poor start. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the sentiment of losing their way, I've experienced that before. Yeah. And, and that's why I think when you then reflect on the decisions made in the last week or two with a couple of their senior guys... They're they're mate, they're putting a fork in the road and saying, "Hang on, we are good enough. We we were on the rise last year. Maybe this might be just a little blip, step back or two. We're just going to realign everyone and find the path forward again." How, how, how does this play out, Jared? Do you think if Essendon don't improve on, if they have a really poor season, how does this play out from a overall perspective? Uh, I think it makes you can feel like some ex, there's a bit of angst. Yeah. No, I, I think 2023 will be precisely what 2022 is. So I don't think Ben Rutten will be under any No, I'm not really sure about his Ben job. I think they've already had the setup where they had a, a senior coach in above him and hindsight will say that didn't, didn't work. work. I think they would be reluctant to do that again. I think they'll hold their belief that what they're building is right and if this is the year that they struggle through, so be it. It'll be if 2023 is not coming to fruition that they'll they'll re um, they'll analyse it. A lot, a, a lot like a lot of sides that are in the bottom half of the ladder. And Carl, they've just got to sort out this front half game. And once again, they would know the numbers, but sorting out the change is the is the issue. And it's it's something that you'd think Blake Carousella would would know what they did at Richmond. Your truck was there himself at yep. Richmond, so it it's. It can't be rocket science, but it seems a lot harder to implement out on the ground than it does to talk about here in the studio. Well, it's so elusive because there's an element of sacrifice across the board. Um, every player, to a T, has to be involved in that if you want to be successful in the way the current game's played. And that's not a knock on any of their players, but the, there's the, particularly through their midfield, there's a lot of accumulation of footy, mm. but 
the ability to be able to play both ways and commit to defence and help each other out, work collectively as a group to, you know, build pressure and win clearance and take metres and defend off the back of that, close outlets and all these kind of things. That's where they'll become a good side. And that was the difference between, you know, guys like Oliver, Petrarca, Viney, Gorn, and the development in Melbourne's midfield group to becoming probably the best in the league was Mm. their commitment to that. And when they started to commit to that, they, they started to get results. So rather than winning the odd game and them accumulating big numbers and possibly being best on ground, we we started to get more even performances, more mm. consistent performances. And then slowly their talent and ability to really take hold of games just started to shine through off the back of the commitment to team and mm. and the direction that they want to go in. I feel like too there, I know it's defence is the team, but they're, they're actual defenders. I know they did really well last year, but they, they still look undersized to me. Well, they are. I mean, they're playing guys who are fail forwards a lot in defence. And uh, I mean, that's, that's okay, but... If the if the pressure is not there, it doesn't matter whether it's David Dench or uh, Steve Silvani. They David are Dench get gets, he gets mentioned a hell of a lot. <laughs> he does. He? He'd be pretty happy with that. One of the good stories of the year: the Sydney Swans, five and one. Uh, their only loss was against the Bulldogs, uh, and they've well they've they've shown, albeit against not too many of the the teams high on the ladder at this stage. Their their best winner probably was against Geelong. They came from behind. After conceding the first five goals against Hawthorne, high pressure game round one, they beat the Giants, and then their, their probably their worst performance was their win against North Melbourne, which they had to get all stocks together. Heaney's emerged as a star, so is Callum Mills if he wasn't already. But he's shown he's still got um, plenty to offer, and just their their young players who are such good kickers of the yeah. of the football, long kicks. Um, they've got they've got a lot. If we can see that they've got a lot, but what can they do this year, Jonesy? Do you think? Oh, I, I'm very, very optimistic as far as like if the, if it's Melbourne and Daylight, I think they're almost got their noses in front to be the next team. I think there's so much upside. Um, and I think publicly it's one of the more underrated uh, coaching list rebuilding performances across the competition, really. Um, I think uh, Horse Longmire's ability to be able to shift the way he's coached the team Clearly, it's a way he sort of interacts with these young guys as well and sort of rejuvenate the way in which that club played for so, so long mm. to then just like they're at the forefront in terms of um, performance and they're a really exciting team to watch for a decade or more. They were one of the more dour teams of the competition. Yeah, shocking. Um <laughs> <laughs> Campbell, Goulden and Warner. That's th- well. Warner, yeah. Warner's a star. He's a kid. He smiles. He plays footy. He's a smiling assassin. Th- they are a happy club. You can yeah, see yeah. they are a happy club. No question about that. There's something good going on up there. I think. I think their biggest challenge. I mean, they have got a few challenges. I mean, for a club that's built its brand on contested ball, that's their issue at the present time. They've got to get contested ball better. Transition of the footy. They're the best kicking side I've seen for a long time. Hawthorne used to have all these left footers. Well, now. Sydney's got a hell of a lot of left footers. Uh, they they kill you. Uh, they can you know they play darts pretty well. I reckon up there. <laughs> Their biggest problem, I think, is what to do with Buddy, because I I think Buddy he's such a magnetic person that he drags so much footy that sometimes I think they play better with Buddy out of the forward line or when Buddy comes off the bench. 
I mean, Buddy off the out of the centre bounce, that makes sense to them all because here comes Buddy's hands in the air. He runs the faster kick at the Buddy. But, you know, when there's when there's Heaney and um, two or three of the other talls up there, it just doesn't seem to have as much flow. So I'd like to see Buddy play and experiment over the next four or five weeks up the ground, on the wing, on the half-forward line, play as a high half-forward and keep McLean or McDonald or whoever it is out of the goal square with uh, with Mills. You're telling, Sorry, buddy, with, uh, you're telling buddy that, by the way. Oh, no, it's not a knock on Buddy. I think it's – I think when I, when Buddy kicked his thousandth goal, we were there, Yeah, he didn't look like kicking them until he went to the bench. And then he came off the bench twice and it opened up because the opposition were hell-bent. I mean, Chris got clearly said he's not kicking a thousand against us. He had three or four people go to him, and that's okay if the other people get it. But Buddy always draws it. And he came off the bench twice and uh, found some space and kicked some goals. So Buddy is, as always, an enigmatic figure and one of the greatest enigmatic figures, if that's the word, we've ever seen. Another one before we break, Jared, close to your heart or your location anyway, the Saints. Well, the Saints just keep getting better. I mean, Are they is, the biggest surprise story in a way this year? Well, they're not Five a, and one? They're not a surprise in that they played finals the year before. But they are a surprise because they've come in with uh, a couple of really key injuries mm. to young blokes um, who should, you know, probably should have hurt them, but they've been able to cover pretty well. Paddy Wright is still going well. Max King's been, you know, he's evolving rapidly, but he's still only spasmodic. So when he gets to become a, you know, a, a much more reliable four-quarter player, and it's very difficult in that position, by the way, I mean... It's tough to kick four goals, and it doesn't really matter if you kick them in one quarter or one in four quarters. You know, he's become a more mature player with still a hell of a lot of maturity to go. Howard's been a great player for them, but they just systematically, or the system that they play with just seems to have evolved and evolved in the right way. They're, they're great in the contest. They're great in the pressure. Um, and I think with Zach coming back, Zach Jones coming back, adds some pace. They've got, you know, got a couple of other midfielders coming back. That, uh, that it should bolster their depth, and it's tough. It's tough for t- uh, positions there. I mean, Highmore hasn't got a t- hasn't got a look in this year, and he was one of their best last year. Yeah, I think there's a super amount of positivity around them for all the reasons you said. It lo- it ju- for me, it just looks like last year was almost like a year that they needed to have, and we've spoken about you know maybe that's this year for the Bombers. Yep, and the Saints go away over summer. They're embarrassed by their year and they really have to look internally and the entire club reviews itself and then they get to work and they get to work and they get results. And then all that does is builds belief and momentum. And then you add in all of the little uh, nuances on the side around the depth and difficulty for spots and that just builds this competitiveness, which they've just got the ball rolling at the minute. And and I think they really believe in the style of footy that they're playing. They've got majority of their you know best players on the park. I would wouldn't underestimate the return of Gresham. I think his yeah. um, you know, his smarts and now his ability to play up the field and down forward. He just adds a new dynamic to them. And a couple of other assets they're getting good returns out of. Higgins is one, and they finally found a, the the best way to get uh, Brad Hills. Yep, significant uh, impact back. So we've got a new slogan for teams coming in. It's, this is the recession year we have to have. Yeah. That'll work well for the members <laughs> coming in. Probably not. Well, a few will subscribe to it anyway. 
and I'll tell you what, a few coaches might get out of it too because it's as good an excuse yeah, as any. it is. All right, we're going to touch base with the Tigers over in the West uh, in a few minutes' time, and then we will get back to the system check on all 18 teams through six rounds. The Hyundai Staria Load is the van that is big on safety and big on tech. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. And now it's yours from 47990 Drive Away. Take a tech drive today. Just one final one from numbers perspective, Hawthorne, uh, St Kilda's forward line. Number five for forward half intercepts. Number one for forward half intercepts to score. Number three, opposition defensive 50 to go inside 50. And number one, oppo half back to inside 50. It's a really strong profile. It's a profile of top four sides. And that's why I heard uh, Hoyney, I think, at the Herald Sun say they'll make the finals or they'll make the prelim finals. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Sports Power, your local footy experts. Friday night footy, West Coast and Richmond over in the West on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power. Now there is a late change to the Eagles side. Uh, Tom Barras is out. Hugh Dixon comes in. Andrew Gaff is the sub and Jack Ross is the sub for the Tigers. Mm. Barras, given that McGovern has come back into the team. Is uh, that's a, a blow? I mean, not as big a blow. McGovern wasn't there, obviously, Jared, but he's a pretty, they're pretty significant combination. Oh, they're two very good players. McGovern, obviously, one of the generational talents we've seen as a defender, and Barris has sort of been tracking him pretty closely. But uh, he hasn't been at his absolute best, Barris, but uh, he's better than what they've got coming in. So this is a big bonus for the Tigers, Jonesy. So let's head into the Tigers camp, shall we? And Andrew McQualter is with us. Uh, Andrew, great to have you on AFL Nation. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Is there any change that goes on once you know that uh, Barris is out of the opposition side? I, I didn't know that until I just heard you guys talking. So uh, That's why you're tuning into AFL Nation, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, uh, first to know, first to know. Uh, no, look, we won't make any changes. Obviously, he's a great player. Um, so it's uh, never good to see players miss with injury, but tonight it's a good result for us. It is, it is. So where do you start uh, after a, an average loss last week? You were competitive for a period of time, but your defence has been well and truly, I guess, publicly criticised. Where, where do you start? Is it with just a hallmark of the Tigers' premiership era, and that is defence and tighten that up? I think you're absolutely right. Like Last week, Melbourne, Melbourne taught us a lesson in, in really work rate and defence. That's what they're so good at at the moment. And, uh, and watching that game back, you can always take great lessons from other teams, and, and that's what we've got to start our game with tonight. Jonesy, you got a question for us, Andrew, <laughs> or do you want me to go again? You go again, mate. So the forward line, you've you've used uh, Shy Bolton up there a lot. You've got, uh, you know, ageing forwards, but they're still capable of taking you to the uh, promised land again. How, how much... Have you been tempted to play Bolton through the middle and uh, will you play him more so than you have? Yeah, it's a good question. I think we're, we're still trying to find the balance of all of it. But uh, Shay in particular being such a damaging player, he, he does go through the middle for, for patches of the game when we need him. Probably what we've done with Dustin over the years, we've kind of we've kind of put him where we think he can impact the game the most. And speaking of Dustin, I once played in the state game and uh, Kevin Sheedy was coach 
And he had a bloke uh, <laughs> secreted into the stadium. <laughs> Shane Hurd. Shane Hurd. There isn't a bloke who looks like Dusty's floating around anywhere <laughs> over there, is there? I'd be quite pleased if there was, but there's, uh, there's not. Does he does it back home. He trained this morning, trained, trained strongly, and uh, hopefully he looks to play again soon. And it's Tom Lynch's 200th game tonight. He's leading the way on the scoreboard for you boys. Uh, do you expect him to put in another big performance? Obviously, Barass out probably helps in his case. Yeah, it's a great effort for Lynchy to get to 200 games. It's been a hell of a journey for him. So um, really excited that the boys will get the opportunity to, to play with him tonight and hopefully celebrate his 200th game and, and he gets a look at the ball as well. What about yourself, Andrew? I've spoken to Ross Lyon about you uh, a lot and... From more reports, if he had have uh, nailed the Carlton job, you would have been uh, required uh, as his number one lieutenant. I'm not sure if he spoke to you about it, but he speaks <laughs> glowingly about you. Have you got ambitions for the top job? Uh, I've got a great relationship with Ross and um, with a lot of coaches that I've worked with throughout the time. But right now, I'm, I'm loving my job here. I've been here for nine years and I've been fortunate enough to work in, in quite a few different areas here with mid and forward and stoppage. So just learning and, and developing as, as a coach myself. And um, in the future, if that opportunity comes up, I'd, I'd be open to it. And if the timing's right and the situation's right. And you mentioned before you guys are putting a lot of emphasis on the defensive side of the game, but a question I have is around stoppage and clearance and, uh, and contests. Obviously, the trends in the current game are suggesting that those that win in that space more often than not win the game. I think, you know, harking back to Richmond at its best, you know, a super effective team at creating midfield turnover and hurting you on the rebound. How much emphasis are you putting now on or in and around the contest? Yeah, it's, it's an area of the game we absolutely need to get better at. Um, we haven't been a, a great, you know, numbers-wise clearance team for, for a long time, but we've had a, a structure and a system that has allowed us to, to manage that and, um, and find different ways to win. Um, but as you said, this year the, the stoppage scores have gone up significantly. So we need to improve that area of the game. And, and a lot of stoppage scores ultimately go through a contest, whether it's forward or back. So it, it is as much contest as it is the actual stoppage. And just one last one, Andrew. How would you describe the, the hunger level and how you know, disappointment from last year after so much success in the past, how has that changed this year that you've seen? And it, it, can you explain, perhaps, with examples of how that's changed, or has it pretty much been the same? I think, I think, without a doubt, we dropped off hunger a bit last year. I think our performance sort of highlighted that towards the end of last year. We um, we struggled after it was a pretty big four or five years, but this year there's no doubt that the boys trained really well over the summer and and are quite hungry to to improve our performances and and get back to the winning football that we want to play. So if Cheeseburger was not hungry and Big Mac was super hungry, where are you on that continuum? <laughs> I don't mind a cheeseburger, but I would hope to think we're in the Big Mac category. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Andrew, great to have okay. you with us. Good luck for tonight. All right, guys. Thank you. Andrew McWalter there from the Richmond coaching staff. All right, our systems check continues. Hutto's taking us through them. that, Jared. Gee. Tommy Ruff has been on the phone. They want to know whether we've given the flick. Well, uh, Johnny, no. Your service was, will be required next week. Jonesy's come in unprepared. Yes. Jared's rookie, got nothing. Rookie error. Hutto's got a salad in front of him, as have I, but we're going back to the best fish and chips in the business next week. Can I order some for tonight? Or? <laughs> Don't, no, no. Johnny's <laughs> too busy. AFL Nation, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to... 
You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Sports Power, your local footy experts. West Coast and Richmond, uh, about 40 minutes away from the opening bounce this Friday night over in the West. We're running a systems check through how your team sits after six completed rounds on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Hutto, where are we next? The next team that's come up on Elf's computer is Hawthorne. Three wins and three losses from the Hawks. They blew a five-goal lead against the Swans last week. They got smashed by St Kilda, but other than that, they've been very good. They lost to Carlton in a thriller. They beat Port, North Melbourne, and Geelong was probably their biggest eyebrow. Oh, well, along with the win over Port, eye raising, eyebrow raising, whatever the term is, victory. Jones? Uh, uh, <laughs> eyebrow raising, I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I like what they're doing. I um, after the off season of uh, you know, I guess the contentious call between Clarkson and Mitchell and how that all unfolded and everyone, uh, depending on what side you were on, um, I think Sam Mitchell's done a ter- terrific job to date. Um, I think there's a lot to like about them. I really enjoy watching them play. Yeah, they are one of the most watchable yeah, teams, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, I think the the way they move the ball and sort of intercept and bounce off half back is, uh, I think that you know Sicily and um, Jace down there are you know outstanding in terms of their run and and uh, and overlap. You know their their midfield consistency is being questioned at times, but I like the fact that they're going down the path and um, I guess giving more responsibility or adding responsibility to some of these younger guys, which may at times be detrimental because they could possibly play more experienced players, but there's a, there's a balance of you know, creating depth and not just having such a reliance on Mitchell and O'Meara and these kind of guys. But, you know, I, I think the addition of Newcomb, having watched him Easter Monday, yeah. it was outstanding. Um, well, yeah. I think I think Sam Mitchell said even this morning that they're trying to get more value out of Tom Mitchell, and he's getting less footy, but his clearance numbers are actually up, and more importantly, his, his involvements in scores is up. So he's been a very thoughtful coach <coughs> in how to get the best out of this group of the old and the young. Yeah, for sure. And then down forward, Mitch Lewis is one of the more exciting young forwards in the competition. Um, and again, sort of going back. Didn't see much of them last week, but Easter Monday, he was outstanding in terms of uh, his performance. So I think there's a lot to like with the Hawks. I think there's going to be some inconsistencies as as they sort of transition from the old way to the new way, and they're trying to sort of bring through that uh, youth to a certain extent and sort of add layers to in the way they're trying to play. But uh, so far, for mine, Sam Mitchell gets a tick, and I really enjoy watching the Hawks play. Hard to add to that, Jonesy. Big tick for Sam Mitchell. I mean, when you get the best out of that, that group, he's probably four or five spots higher than most people had them uh, pre-season. So, finals or not? I doubt they'll play finals, but um, I don't think they'd be too disappointed. They, you know, they don't want to just play finals. They want to play big finals, and they're not ready for that yet. There's going to be some transition as a few older blokes drop out. And they're going to have to be really accurate with their recruiting to dramatically get up to the top four again quickly, but. I think the thing that's pretty obvious is that Sam Mitchell's pretty comfortable uh, behind the mm. behind the tiller. Exciting young defend, defence they've got, that's for sure. Adelaide have been another team that have probably performed above expectations. You, you've been a, it's been quite a ride if you're an Adelaide supporter. Yeah. Four results under a goal, and even the uh, 
game against Richmond was another t- a tight run thing. So they've beaten the Tigers, Port Adelaide in that after the siren showdown, and then the Bulldogs in Ballarat. They lost to Essendon and Fremantle in close games. Could easily have gone the other way. Their only bad performance was really Collingwood. And, of course, Taylor Walker's return has, has been, from a footy point of view, a triumphant one with 12 goals in three games. Yeah, they uh, got off on the wrong foot in round one, didn't they, against Fremantle. They were smacked early, absolutely belted by Fremantle early. How they got back into that game, I think, showed essentially what this Adelaide side's all about. They've got great, I think they've got great mental strength. They've got a fantastic work rate, a uh, bit, bit like their captain, although he's not going to be there much. But uh, they've got this kid, Ben Keyes, who has come through. Rory Laird, right now Rory Laird's number four for contested possession. He's number seventh for disposal. He's number three for score involvements. Rory Laird has elevated himself to be an A grader. He's been probably that for the last couple, but standing out more. Um, but they're a young team, magnificent work ethic. And last week, it was a tight game, a really exciting finish. It was a bit of a scrap. And if uh, you had a knock on the Crows, it's they're not as good a side to watch as others, but they are absolutely fierce and they are scrappers. But last week, they fell in, but the expected score was 88-59. to 59. So they should have smacked mm. the, uh, the Bulldogs. And so you put that into its context – they're not going to be easy, and you know this is not going to be a, a, an easy game for the Giants on the weekend. Over there, you'd probably almost say Adelaide are favourites. I, I think they are. Well, that doesn't surprise. I mean, they are playing with more cohesion, more more guts, if you like, uh, for four quarters. Um, it, it's been a really good start by them. I think the enigma in all of this is Darren Burgess, for mine, um, having sort of uh, yep. trained underneath him. Uh, what a, an amazing appointment uh, from Adelaide's perspective. Mm. And you touch on their ability to grind out games and their mentality and their work rate and their belief. I guarantee that comes from the work that uh, they put in. Yeah, absolutely. What, what is it about Burgess compared to another fitness, the next fitness guy or girl? Oh, for mine, it was just like how sort of systematic he was in terms of putting stuff in place. But then he's also got this amazing aura in terms of the people that he's worked with and the the numbers behind him stack up. So I think. Everyone that worked underneath him, from my experience, hung off every word and you listened to absolutely everything. You invested so much into what he said and you believed in it. And ultimately, (laughs) you look at the Crows right now, I don't think they go into the season with a huge amount of expectation, but he would have drilled into them over the summer their ability to outwork teams and, you know, train train harder, train smarter, be more efficient, be quicker, be bigger, be stronger and... And, and the fact that he came that, from Melbourne is self-evident for players listening. A hundred percent. So, like, a, that's why, I mean, it's just such a, a significant appointment. And I think ultimately now that they're seeing a result yep. and it just builds this this belief. steely belief. Mm. Are you missing him post-footy or not? <laughs> Tyler, well, Thilthorpe and Fogarty, not in the side. Mm. Fogarty's got some work to do to get back yeah, into absolutely. that side. I think Thilthorpe will come through, but it just goes to show they have got really good depth in the big man department. They need Mackesy to build their hasn't midfield. Been able to make it I haven't yet. seen Mackesy, but uh, they've gone with um, uh, well, Himmelberg in the forward line. They've turned Billy around to become a centre-half back. Billy had to turn himself inside out. Didn't work hard enough to be at centre-half forward, but he's, he's been a really good revelation so far at centre-half back. Butts is doing well in Gallant. They've got some really good tools up there. They've just got to build that midfield around them. Okay, the Brisbane Lions have taken almost all before them from a win-loss point of view. Their only uh, poor game in terms of, uh, of losing was against the Cats in round four, a 10-point loss. They've beaten North by 108. They've beaten Gold Coast last week by 52. 
Essendon, Port Adelaide and Collingwood. So no massive scalps. And there's still some questions about how they're going, but uh, certainly in terms of ladder position, they're, they're beautifully set with still with Eric Hipwood to come back. And they've made a few structural changes going into the season, which has worked pretty well. Yeah, I think for mine, it's um, they're, they're fighting out for the number two seed, if you like. Um, the question I sort of pose is, can they take the next step? And where does it come from? The question mark I have here is, my feeling is Danaher is almost the key to them, you know, really jumping up to challenge someone like a Melbourne. Uh, what do you? Well, I think Danaher's having his best year for a long, long time. I think that's obviously self-evident. And I wasn't convinced in the first two weeks. I know his numbers were rough, his goals are up, but his work off the ball was nowhere near good enough. And yet I saw him play down at Richmond. We did the uh, sorry down at Geelong. We did the game down there. I, I thought it was the best game I've seen him play for Brisbane. And they didn't win, but his work rate coming up the ground was exactly what you want out of an A grade forward. And then he's continued that on. He's 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 in a good patch of form right now. But they and, and Rainer's return, if he can actually, I know you loved him a few years ago, Jared. I did. Didn't quite put the moz on him, the Rainer man, the, the Rainer man. The, uh, the 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 latest superhero. Uh, well, we might turn into that. He might. Yeah. I think they've got some issues. You know, I think that uh, he did ring me one day and say, "Before I'm going to go with Rainer, man. I need you to come with me." Come and I with said, me. I'll get back to you. On that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Paps went along. Yeah. Uh, the great Zorko across halfback, from a numbers perspective, has really helped them. They, you know, they needed to be able to transition the ball better, and he's helped. But he still, to me, he still is uh, such a great player to have missing from your forward half, half of the yeah. ground and I know that uh, Chris will you know swing in there if he needs to I also think if you're playing that size down there you, you you be I liked having interceptors down there and he's not that so he's he's paying his way at the present time but uh, ultimately up against the very best side which is Melbourne whether or not it can it can bear fruit we don't know but uh, they, they're going pretty well uh, Geelong Actually, I think they're actually on. I think I asked Jared about a team on your list, James, <laughs> yeah. and I'm now asking. Oh, we can help each other. What about the Cats? I got the Cats here. They're four and two. Are they one of the most intriguing teams as to what they could do? Uh, I don't see them as intriguing. No, I, or I we think... have to. We just have to wait and see what they can do. Well, the question is, can they win the flag? I yeah. mean, if you want to boil it down, I mean, they've done everything else. They've made a grand final, made a couple of prelim finals, and they've done it one style. And Chris has clearly changed that style. He's uh, moving the ball a bit more quickly. And why wouldn't you, given that you've got two of the best key forwards in the forward line? Their accuracy has been the issue in their losses. So yep. if they had have kicked more more accurately, they may well have challenged Sydney in particular. Um, so that was another one that, you know, they, they, they were a bit lethargic compared to Sydney, but they still could have been in that game yep. had they kicked. And Hawthorne Schroeder. was their other loss. What I like about it is I've seen improvement in the senior blokes. Cameron is playing like we expect Cameron to play. Isaac Smith, is he being trained by your man down at uh, Calvin? <laughs> Isaac Smith on the wing is having a fantastic year. Tom Atkins is improving. So they've got a few senior players. Yeah, Zach Tui is having another Zach belter. Tui he is controlled that game last week. But what's going to determine whether they win a flag or not is how much improvement they get out of the next level, or the, the younger levels. Holmes is a good addition. Dempsey looks good. Close is continuing on. He's, I've never seen him make a bad decision on the footy field. I hope I don't moz him. Stengel good. And DeConing across the half-back line. And there was one other one that they brought in last week. Well, Dempsey was the one they Dempsey. brought in last week. Yeah, yeah, Dempsey as well. So I like the way they're going about it. The Cats, 
A lot of headbands in defence. That's probably that's my okay. Answer. As long as I've got a good forehand and a good backhand. Thank you very much. Okay, that's could they win the flag, Jonesy? In your mind, oh, I think it's a, for me. It's a almost a clear cut top four, and then I think there's a blanket for the rest. And I think they they're in there. Are they in the rest or in the top four? They're in the top four for mine at the minute. Okay. Um, I think this weekend is a. That's oh, big. It's a big game. Yeah, it's a huge game. Really, I think it elevates Frio and. You know, Geelong lose and they all of a sudden fall back to the pack. Mm. All right. Uh, our systems check has a handful of teams to go. AFL Nation, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Sports Power, your local footy experts. Bang! Jared Healy and Nathan Jones with a system check. A handful of teams to go. He's outside 50, Jared. Our foundation for Sports Power. He's Get the gone. latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Who are you up to, Hutto? Uh, it looks like Melbourne has come up next. Well, and that's of course, been... they're unbeaten, Jared, by the average winning margin of 31 points. Before Jonesy throws a bomb at Port Adelaide, <laughs> I'm going to give the reason why Melbourne are no good. so far clear as the favourites, as we've been saying for a long, long time that it's hard to see anybody beating them. This, These are the outs for this week. Luke Jackson, regarded as a generational talent. Unicorn. Harrison <laughs> Petty. One of two, apparently, couldn't he? Harrison Petty, who is, hasn't played many games, but already is a significant defender. Kasiah Pickett and Tom Sparrow. Now, there are four super players. Collectively, you would say, gee, the Demons are a bit weaker. That we're a chance to win this week. In comes Jake Lever, Tom McDonald, and Jack Viney. That's all I have to say about Melbourne. Hi, rest my case, your honour. Can, can uh, I just say, who have they beaten, Jared? They've beaten 16th, 15th, 14th, 13th, 12th, and 11th. Well, this is the great thing about the team, is they are going systematically through the <laughs> list. And they'll keep going to second. And uh, it's going to be another handy September. Don't go away. All right, Port Adelaide, Jonesy. <laughs> no bombs here, oh, but... They've won just one game. They beat West Coast last week. The easy beats of the competition. They lost to Hawthorne by 64, Melbourne by 32, and they've also gone down to Brisbane, Adelaide and Carlton. Are they done for the year? Oh, in yeah, in my eyes, I think they are. I think they're such a long, long way back. Um, and I don't think you can underestimate the the impact of a start to a season like this where now there would be a significant element of doubt. Um, I think we'll probably see them find some good form and a good run at some point in time. But like I said, like, like how many they got? They're going to have to win, what, Most tw- of tw- 12 straight or something to even be a sniff. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – I I'm not, yeah I'm not too sure really I don't know I don't know why um particularly I I actually came into the year thinking that they were they weren't too far away like they play a pretty good brand of footy I like their midfield group but they um, were destabilized with injuries weren't they injury, like, injuries injuries hurt Aleri's massive um Charlie Dixon Charlie Dixon's Dixon. huge yeah. seems to me Charlie Dixon is their anchor point and it it makes their whole game plan make sense well offensively when you watch them play you know you talk about a team that takes the ball down the line which Porter they'd love to do and Dixon they almost kick more towards the corridor when yep. Dixon plays and then attack off the back of that yep. and without him 
what option do they have when that's a really significant part of how they like to move the footy? I did these numbers a, a couple of weeks ago, and they've certainly changed. But Butters was 16% down on his return. Rosie was 60% down, and he was the worst-rated player in the on the ground two weeks ago. That's D- changed in the last two Absolutely, weeks, and I'll get to that. Dersma was also uh, – well, he's been in and out and dropped. So those three are going to come back. I mean, and, and I think Ken's done a great job in, I think, identifying the fact that we've got to change some things up. So Boke all of a sudden is, no, is not playing anywhere near the same – Amount of time in the middle. Rosie's gone into the middle 92% of the time. He had the highest contested numbers he's ever had. He's really, you know, I think re-emerged as probably going to be one of the the, the best byproducts of this uh, this fallout. But when you've got no Alir, no Dixon, no Fantasia, you're going to struggle. And, you know, they're, they're Ruckman, uh, Scott Lysette's also out. They're pr- pretty yeah, much significant losses, uh, yeah. big losses, and they didn't recover. And, and we still don't know how well they came into the season mentally after another horrible prelim final loss. Yeah. Jonesy, the Giants, um, are they one of the biggest disappointments of the to the season for you? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so, absolutely. Um, but I think it's uh, they're they've they're capable, I don't think there's any doubt of that about that, but they just. Yeah, they're too in for mine. It's just the consistency of them. I would have expected them to be right up there and amongst it with the talent that you look at across their list. Well, let's look at that talent. Kelly, Green, Whitfield, Tom Green, Nick Haynes, Callum Ward, Tarando, Himmelberg, Canelio, Jesse Hogan, Isaac Cumming. I mean, there's just over 10 players significant high-end talent, and they've won one game. Yep. Now, They've got some problems in defence, but they're not showing any, you know, and it's been exacerbated with Phil Davis going down and uh, who was a Buckley, I think, got the knee reconstruction last year. So they've had some some issues, but they knew about Buckley before the season started. I haven't seen anything that sort of suggests to me that they've stepped up to the challenge. I mean, are we all just waiting for Green to come back and take us to the promised land? Their spirit's been low. Their contested stuff has lasted about a quarter and a half most games. On the on the in the coaching box, have we seen Himmelberg at any stage go to centre half back? Even when the games are lost, are we just going to keep on trying for the same thing, doing the same thing, looking for a different result? You know, I, I look at this group and say, I know you're not the best side in the competition, but by God, you're better than one win. Absolutely, I think for mine, it's like their commitment to team. And how I, I just wonder, like from where I sit, how yeah. hard it is with all of that talent to bring them together to play for each other rather than, yeah. You know, Anytime they look any good, is it stoppage? Gold Outside Coast, of stoppage, gone. Gold Coast Suns out of 10 as we get to the break. Is this their performance so far this year? I think about six and a half. Six, yeah. I agree. Maybe seven. Oh, Should have won. It's a generous mark. It is. But I thought that they'd be bottom two. Okay. And I think that uh, they've shown a lot better brand of footy. Our pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. We'll focus in on the Eagles and the Tigers next. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.